Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you, and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime with us. As always, please check out our episode description. There you can find the links to my TikTok and Instagram, as well as a link to help us out over here at Crime Dive. You can also find my email in the episode description for any business inquiries. So if my voice sounds a little bit froggy it's because it is I actually am sick right now it kind of took a lot for me to get up and record this video because all I want to do is lay down but I don't want to miss a video I want to be consistent I've been consistently posting since what December of last year so I don't want to break that so today we are going to be talking about the yacht party disappearance of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope this case is technically unsolved but technically not if that makes sense but if it doesn't you'll understand by the end of the episode there isn't a whole lot of info on the victims themselves, but I have been able to pull together what I could. This case actually takes place in New Zealand in the late 90s on New Year's Eve. But with that, let's get right into the case. First, we're going to be talking about Ben Smart. He was born in Blynham, New Zealand, and his parents' names are John and Mary Smart. And he also has a sister named Rebecca. Now, I'm not sure if Rebecca is his only sibling or if he has other siblings, but I do want to mention because this is what I was able to find. Ben was described as being kind, dependable, he loved music, and he actually played guitar in a band. Olivia Hope was also born in Blynham, New Zealand, to parents Gerald and Janice Hope. Her father actually served as the mayor of Marlborough Sounds, and if you don't know what Marlborough Sounds is, it's actually a cluster of islands off the coast of New Zealand. Olivia had an older sister named Amelia, and they were really, really close. They were like best friends. They had actually gifted each other matching rings for Christmas that had the other's initials on them. They were extremely close, and they absolutely loved each other. Olivia was described as being smart, very sweet. She was a bubbly girl and she just loved life. She was so friendly. She was actually the head prefect at her school and if you don't know what that is, they're the head of their student body. So it's almost like the head of the student council or in America what you would call the class president. And this was very on character for Olivia. She was a go-getter. She was driven. She was very smart. She was social. She was just a people person overall. She played the piano and she was extremely talented at it. And this is really where her and Ben were able to bond. They met at a music festival in New Zealand in 1997. At the time this case took place, Olivia was 17 and Ben was 21. He was a little bit older than her, but they were able to find a common interest in music. And this is really what made them friends. The nature of their relationship had hasn't really been confirmed. Some people argue that there was a little bit more between them, meaning that they had a little bit of an emotional connection. This has not been proven. This hasn't been confirmed, but it seems like that's what their interactions suggested to people that knew them. On New Year's Eve 1997, December 31st, there was a big New Year's Eve party at a place called the Furneaux Lodge in the Endeavour Inlet in New Zealand. This place was huge, it was a very big property, and naturally the party was going to be just as big. This was the place to be on the night of New Year's Eve. Now the only way to get to this party was by boat because it was on an island. Olivia, she really wanted to go to this party with her sister Amelia. So they decided to actually charter a yacht for the day, including some of their friends. And they were on the yacht during the day, hanging out, partying, having fun. And then they were gonna go to the Furneaux Lodge party at night and they were gonna actually spend the night on the yacht because they didn't wanna have to drive the boat drunk, which is a very responsible decision. 
Olivia, her sister, and their friends arrived at the Fernot Lodge party between 8 and 9 p.m., which was considered pretty early to arrive to the party, but they had had the yacht all day, they had been partying, they were ready to go. So Ben and his friends were actually at another party. Ben eventually left his friends and decided to go to the Fernot Lodge party to meet up with Olivia. And this is kind of where people were like, oh, maybe they might be dating. He left his friends to hang out with her. But again, we really don't know that. Ben actually showed up after midnight. So by this point, we're entering January 1st, 1998. The ball has dropped. I don't know if they do that in New Zealand, actually, but it is now New Year's Day. Because Ben had just gotten there, Olivia was going to stay a little bit longer so she could hang out with him. But Amelia decided that she she was ready to go back to the yacht. So she decided to leave and let Ben and Olivia have some alone time. Around 3 a.m., Ben and Olivia decide to leave the party together. They had been out for a while and they were just ready to go back to the yacht. They headed back to the yacht that Olivia and Amelia had rented for the day and they were gonna go back and sleep there. But when they got there, there were a lot of extra people on the boat. So it wasn't just Amelia and all of their friends, it was some random people. And Olivia was a bit confused. She's like, this is the yacht that me and my sister and our friends chartered. Who are all these random people? Come to find out, Amelia just couldn't turn these people away. They didn't have anywhere to sleep for the night and they didn't want to have to drive intoxicated to wherever they had come from. So Amelia was actually nice enough to let them sleep on their yacht. But Olivia was like, mm, I need a place to sleep. And so does Ben, that was her guest. But people for whatever reason weren't budging. Now if that was me, we would have had to throw hands. But Olivia is, you know, a little bit more mild mannered. She just didn't want to cause any trouble. She was tired. So her and Ben decided to get off of the boat and find somewhere else to stay for the night. When they got off of the yacht, they actually flagged down a water taxi that was being driven by a man named Guy Wallace, who was actually a bartender at the Fernot Lodge party. And he was giving sober rides to people that had been at the party to make sure they got home safely, which is actually very responsible. And it's nice that they had something like that set up for party goers to utilize so they wouldn't have to drive intoxicated. So they flagged down Guy Wallace and they get on his water taxi. Ben and Olivia ask him, if he knows of any places that they could stay for the night because their yacht is pretty occupied. But as they ask the taxi driver slash bartender this question, a man actually interjects and he says, well, hey, you, pointing to Olivia, you can sleep on my yacht, but you can't bring him, talking about Ben. And they were like, that's really weird, what? And then he's like, oh no, I'm just kidding. Um, you both can come, haha, <laughs> funny joke, which it was just, a little bit odd you know why did you only want Olivia to come but not Ben it was a very creepy uncomfortable remark but they just disregarded it and they were like sure thanks for the invite but Guy Wallace the water taxi driver he was a little bit concerned because Olivia was noticeably younger than everyone else as I said at the time she was 17 in New Zealand and in America that's still considered a child and a teenager so he wasn't really crazy about the idea of allowing the 17 year old girl to get off the boat with this stranger even though she was with Ben but Ben and Olivia decided it's okay we're together no big deal so Guy Wallace drops Olivia and Ben off at the boat with this stranger and this stranger had actually been seen at the Fernot Lodge by a bartender as well as a few other witnesses and they described this man as being very scruffy he had very long unkempt hair and he just looked a little bit disheveled he was scruffy Unkempt. He hadn't seen a hairdresser for a while. He was also said to be giving off a pretty creepy vibe to other women at the party and they just noticed him and he just seemed kind of 
off to everybody. He was about 30, um, sort of straightish brown hair, really scruffy, really weathered looking, as if he almost had come from a yacht or a boat or, you know, he'd been somebody that that lived on a boat or... Um, and, yeah, he just had a really weird um, demeanour about him, just really creepy. I really remember vividly a friend and I saying to each other, oh, my goodness, look at that guy. So it's a little bit unsettling that this is the guy who offered up his yacht to Ben and Olivia to stay on for the night. But I don't think they saw him at the party, so they weren't aware that he looked really creepy and weird. But the remark he gave definitely suggested that there was something odd about him. The following morning on New Year's Day, Amelia woke up on the yacht and she wasn't surprised to find that Ben and Olivia weren't there because she knew that they had gotten off to find somewhere else to sleep. She knew that her sister was just gonna come back whenever she was ready because they had to return the yacht. Amelia kicked everybody else off the boat and she starts packing up her belongings. But after a while, Olivia still hadn't shown up and she was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Olivia knows we have to return the boat back, so what is she doing? You know, why hasn't she returned? After a while, Amelia just started to assume that maybe Olivia and Ben had returned home on the mainland. So she decides to return the yacht by herself and head home. She just assumes that she's gonna meet Olivia there, but she wasn't there. So Amelia's telling her parents, you know, hey, I can't find Olivia, I don't know where she is. Her and Ben never came back to the yacht. But they weren't really worried, they just assumed that she would turn up, maybe she was just still hanging out with Ben. You know, this is back in 1998, so cell phones weren't very readily available. I actually asked my mom about this because I was born in 2000, so I don't know anything about that. But my mom said that the only people that had cell phones really back in the 90s were doctors and rich people. Teenagers and 20-somethings, they didn't just have cell phones on their hips like they do now. So Amelia couldn't just call or text Olivia and say, hey, where are you at? She just had to assume. Not to mention, New Zealand is actually a very safe country. So if you don't hear from somebody or if somebody hasn't returned home, you don't automatically assume the worst like you would in America because there's always something going on here. By the afternoon, Ben and Olivia still hadn't returned. But again, their families really just weren't that concerned. They were like, they're probably just hanging out. It's fine, no big deal. But by the evening, when they still weren't back yet, that's when they started to ask a few questions. Olivia's parents decided to call some of her friends to see if they had heard from her or were with her. But everybody said, no, we haven't heard from or seen her or Ben. By this point, they were like, okay, maybe something's a bit off here. And by the next morning, January 2nd, when Olivia and Ben still hadn't returned home, both of their parents decided to report them missing. Police started interviewing people that had been in contact with them that night or had come across them to see if they had any knowledge about where they might be. It was at that moment that people started to find out about this scruffy guy on the water taxi that they had gotten off with and stayed at his yacht for the night. As he was being described to people, they said, yeah, he was scruffy, he had long wavy hair, he looked very unkempt, and we also saw him at the lodge party. So this is the description that police were being given by multiple witnesses. And according to people that were on the water taxi, as I said, Ben and Olivia got off with this man and they got on to his yacht. But as police started to talk to more witnesses from the party that night, they became aware of a man named Scott Watson, who was said to be acting pretty intoxicated and obnoxious at the party. But for some reason, the police started to suggest that Scott Watson was actually the unkempt, scruffy looking guy that had offered Ben and Olivia his yacht for the night. So I don't really know how they 
got that confused or how they got that idea, but they started to merge the two men. We're gonna get into that. But first, let's talk about Scott Watson. He was born in New Zealand as well to parents Chris and Bev Watson. And he also had a sister named Sandy. Once again, not sure if he had other siblings, but Sandy was the only sibling that I was able to find research about that was mentioned. Scott actually grew up living on a boat with his family and he became really passionate about boats. So much so that he actually built his own and he named it Blade. And he moved in on this boat and started living on it just as he had as a child. His boat. And um, yeah, he, he was rightfully proud of it. He actually drove his boat to the Fernod Lodge party that night. So let's talk about Scott's night on New Year's Eve. He actually didn't arrive at the Fernod Lodge party until after midnight. So by that point, it was January 1st. For the first half of the night, he was at another party on a boat called the Mina Cornelia. And there's picture proof of him at that party. And he looks very different than the person that people on the water taxi described the man that Ben and Olivia had gotten off with. He has short hair, he's clean shaven, he has very little to no facial hair. And for the most part, he looks pretty put together. So not at all what people were describing as the unkempt, scruffy-looking man. Was your impression then that uh, he had longish hair? Yes. Right. And by that, um, would you say that at the time it looked like it needed a cut? Yes. Yeah. Right. And uh, generally, would you be happy to describe his hair as wavy? and sort of shoulder length. Yes. Yeah. Eventually Scott arrived at the Fernod Lodge party after midnight and he was said to be behaving pretty obnoxiously, as I said. He was catcalling women, talking to them, being inappropriate with them, even going so far as to grope another woman's chest. Scott was also said to have gotten into an altercation with another guy at the party, even going so far as to say homophobic comments, such as, are you a girl or are you just gay? And he was picking on this guy for no reason, grabbing at his necklace, just harassing him. And then he asked the guy, oh, do you have a sister? I guess trying to make some sort of sexual pass. The guy's friend actually stood up for him and said, hey, his sister has cancer, relax, don't go there. And Scott's like, oh, how was I supposed to know? But don't worry, she'll be dead in two years, which is just like, why? Why would you say that? Why would you say that? Literally, like, what does that do for you? I don't get it. But Scott was just being very obnoxious that night and being drunk is no excuse whatsoever because if you can say those things when you're drunk, you think them when you're sober. Eventually Scott left the party around 3 a.m. and he was actually going onto other boats to see if there were more parties going on. So Scott was not done partying, but everybody's like, no, it's 3 a.m., we're tired, we're going to sleep. So Scott decides to head back to his boat, Blade, and he goes to sleep for the night. Guy Wallace, the water taxi driver that dropped Ben and Olivia off with the described scruffy man, maintains that Scott Watson was never on his water taxi at any time of the night. And he definitely didn't drop him off with Ben or Olivia. But wasn't really sure where police were making the connection that Scott was the guy that offered Ben and Olivia his boat when the water taxi driver's like, no, he wasn't there at all. And witnesses never placed him there either. But for some reason, police just weren't believing this. They were like, no, it was Scott. Even though every other witness is like, no, it wasn't. They suspected Scott from the very beginning, especially lead detective Rob Pope. He was dead set on Scott without really any evidence to suggest that he even came in contact with Ben and Olivia that night. 
Rob Pope even went so far as to call Scott suspicious because he didn't know what time he left the party. But one, Scott said, I was drunk and I don't wear a watch. Keep in mind, back then you didn't just have a cell phone that you could just whip out of your pocket and be like, oh, it's 11 o'clock, it's 12 o'clock. No, if you didn't have a watch, you probably didn't know what time it was. You had to ask somebody. Scott was so beyond obliterated, I don't even think he was worried about what time it was. On January 3rd, three days after Ben and Olivia went missing, police decided to interview Guy Wallace, the water taxi driver who had dropped Ben and Olivia off that night with the scruffy man. And they asked him if he could draw a sketch of the boat that he dropped them off at. So he did. And the sketch that he drew was a two-masted sailboat with a blue stripe down the side and shiny portholes. And if you don't know what a mast is, it's actually the pole that supports the sail on the sailboat. He had two. Now this sketch looked very different from Scott Watson's boat. Scott only had one mast on his sailboat and it was much shorter than the 40 foot long boat that Guy Wallace had drawn. But nevertheless, police released the sketch to see if anybody knew who this boat belonged to. They were last seen boarding a catch moored nearby. It's described as being about 12 meters or 40 feet long with a white hull, a blue stripe along the side, possibly with round portholes. So even though Scott's boat looked completely different than the one that Guy Wallace drew, police were still convinced that he was somehow involved. So on January 8th, they actually seized his boat in order to test it for forensic evidence. As I said, Scott's boat was shorter, it only had one mast, and it had no portholes. Yet he's still being deemed a suspect. And if anything, at this point, he was really the only suspect. In the eyes of the investigators. Police went so far as to announce that Scott actually did match the description of the boat as well as the person that everybody was describing and witnesses were like, huh? That's not the guy and that's not the boat. They were just a little bit confused as to why the police would say that when literally everything else they were being told was the complete opposite. Top story, dramatic new developments tonight in the search for missing Blenheim friends Olivia Hope and Ben Smart. Police called a press conference late this evening to announce they've narrowed the focus of their inquiries. The occupant of the boat, the owner of the boat, uh, which was seized uh, the other day, uh, bears similarities to the physical description of the man uh, we believe uh, got on the vessel that uh, Ben and Olivia were last seen um, stepping on. Now we're going to get into some witness accounts that claim to have actually seen Ben and Olivia the morning after New Year's Eve, as well as the boat that they were seen getting onto just the night before. A couple named Yvonne and Ted Walsh were actually sailing their boat around 11am on January 2nd and they had about a dozen of their friends on this boat with them. And they saw the boat that was big, the one that had the shiny portholes, and the two masts on the sailboat. The men on the boat even went so far as to joke about actually chasing this boat around because they saw a blonde girl on the back of it. Once this case became a little bit more publicized, Yvonne realized that the girl in the back of that boat kind of looked like Olivia. Now granted, Olivia did have red hair, but the night of the New Year's Eve party, there's actually a video of her and her hair looks much lighter than it did in other pictures. So it was very easy to mistake her hair for being blonde from far away. There was also an account from another woman on another boat that day, and she also saw the boat that Guy Wallace had sketched as belonging to the scruffy man that he dropped Ben and Olivia off with. And according to her, she noticed a couple at the back of the boat that resembled Ben and Olivia, but she said they looked like statues. She thought it was very weird that they didn't make any eye contact with her or didn't even wave. They were just sitting there. The young couple didn't wave at us, didn't make eye contact, sitting there like a couple of statues really. 
And two things struck me as really odd. One is that they hadn't made contact. Um, and two is that they weren't doing any of the work. This other guy looked really busy. Um, and it was almost as if they were sitting there maybe on a cruise or something. It was, it was a bit odd. Um, and that's actually what struck me. That, and, and the boat, it was a beautiful old boat. Some people argued if Ben and Olivia were told to be that still and not look at anyone else, or if they were already dead and were just being posed to look like they were still alive. So by this point, there's multiple witness accounts saying that they may have seen Ben and Olivia on the boat that Guy Wallace, the water taxi driver, had drawn, but yet police were still convinced that it was all Scott and Scott's boat. Police decided to completely dismiss any and all witness accounts that didn't match Scott Watson or his boat, even though they all did, in fact, go against Scott Watson and his boat. Police even went so far as telling witnesses that the boat they saw did not exist. So now they're, they're out here gaslighting folks saying, no, that's not true, this is not what you saw. Literally telling them that they did not see what they know they saw. And people were even saying the boat stuck out so much because it was so big and it had portholes, it was really pretty. Like People remembered this boat, but police were saying, no, no you didn't. That's not what you saw. I asked if they've ruled out the mystery catch. Uh, no, we haven't. Uh, our inquiries to date um, have indicated that uh, the vessel described to us as a catch uh, in probability does not exist. Uh, but we must retain an open mind on that and we're still looking for uh, any information uh, regarding sightings of a catch in the area at that time. And we noticed the boat, the catch, and instantly it stood out because it had these shiny portholes and... Lots of rigging and it wasn't a sounds boat, it was a seagoing boat, you know. It just looked really pretty. So we're saying, oh, look at that, and decided to go over to it and we actually drove right round it, admiring it. They sort of tried to... Uh, they asked me that it's, it's a long time since we'd seen it and maybe we'd forgotten or had doubts about what we'd seen and probably the best thing to do would be to say you can't remember, but when I went into the courtroom, I just gave evidence as how you've, as I'd seen it. We got in touch with the police about the catch, but when they interviewed me, they were no longer interested in the catch. That's why I rang the cops, and they told me they weren't interested. They found the boat they wanted, and they weren't interested. I rang them up to say, well, that yacht that you're looking for, that you put over the TV when we were in Wanaka, uh, was in Marpur Wharf. Oh, yeah. What date was that? Such and such a date. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're not interested in that yacht. No, it wasn't there. You didn't see it. He said to me, uh, that boat doesn't exist. So I came away from that, that phone interview feeling very negative. I actually felt very angry. I yeah. didn't feel negative. We'd stood and we had watched and admired this vessel for some time. And then you're suddenly told, you hadn't seen it at all? Not there. <laughs> it was a bit hard to take. Now, Olivia's sister, Amelia, actually saw the man. She saw the scruffy man who got off the boat with her sister and Ben. And she said that she remembered him having a pointy hairline. What was similar about the, the man's um, hair in the photograph? With a point in recession. 
on either side. So she was shown multiple pictures displaying multiple hairlines by police and she pointed at the first picture showing a pointy hairline. Now, one of the pictures in this collage was actually Scott Watson and she didn't pick his picture. But once again, police just completely disregarded this witness account. A few months later in April, police actually bugged the house of Scott Watson's family and they wanted to see what they could hear and possibly catch him incriminating himself. They were able to record a call between Scott and his ex-girlfriend and she was asking him what his version of what happened that night was. And Scott said, I was drunk, I went to that party and then I left and went back to my boat and I stayed there for the rest of the night. He said, I never got on a water taxi. I never came in contact with these two individuals. He just went back to his boat for the night. And then he left the following morning alone. So you're not gonna tell me anything about that night? I don't wanna know. I don't know, I just wanna know your version of it. I was pissed and I left. Got on my boat, woke up in the morning and left. His ex-girlfriend also asked about the scratches that police had actually found on the hatch of his yacht. And he said that that was his sister's kids. They did that. They were scratching, they were playing, and they messed it up. The hatch cover. Hatch cover. Yeah. It was all scratched. Yeah. 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 Because police argued that maybe that was Olivia trying to escape. But Scott's like, no, my nieces and nephews did that. It wasn't somebody that I had trapped in there. Police also captured a conversation between Scott's parents, saying how much they hated lead detective Rob Pope, even going so far as saying that they could kill him for what he was doing to their son. After Rob Pope heard this, he's like, bet. And he just continues to disregard any and all witness accounts and he becomes dead set dead set on Scott Watson. Rob Hope also decided to make a connection that, oh, if your parents said they would kill me, then that means you're capable of murder too, which in my opinion, isn't really a fair judgment to make. By this point in the case, it had been so widely publicized and Scott was really the only name that was being given as a suspect, despite not matching witness descriptions. But he was pretty much already seen as guilty in the eyes of the media and the eyes of the public. It was also said that police were trying so hard to get Scott charged that not only were they telling witnesses that the boat they saw didn't exist, but they were even trying to intimidate them to change their stories or just stop talking altogether. There was actually another taxi driver from the night of the party who saw Ben and Olivia getting dropped off with the scruffy man at the boat that everyone else is describing. He actually drew a detailed map of the boat that they were dropped off at. But when he was asked in court to continue speaking about it, he refused. And when asked if the police had anything to do with this decision, he said yes. To assist the police, you drew a map um, which I'll ask you to have a look at a copy of, please. When you drew this yes. on the 8th of January, yes. it must have been in your mind, as you sketched it all out, that the catch was a different boat from the Alliance. Agreed? Yes. yes. Must have been. Otherwise, you wouldn't draw two distinct yes. boats, would you? Yes. Agreed. Right. Now, as I understand your evidence in chief, over a passage of time from that date onwards, you, you changed your mind or reconsidered your position or thought yes. about it more, something like that. Yes. 
Did the police have any involvement in that process? Yes. Did the police make any efforts to suggest to you that this catch did not exist? I couldn't remember, honestly. Now, Guy Wallace, the water taxi driver from that night who actually dropped Ben and Olivia off, he was actually threatened to be arrested because they said that maybe he made up this sketch on purpose in order to protect Scott and make it look as different from his boat as possible. There's a few things wrong with that theory. First of all, other people that weren't even on the water taxi that night and don't have any known connection to Guy Wallace also saw this boat. So the boat wasn't fake. Not to mention, it wasn't known whether or not Guy or Scott even knew each other. But it did come out that they used to frequent the same bar. And the media took this and spun it to make it seem like Guy and Scott were friends and had a connection. And maybe that's why Guy made up this sketch. But they were just locals. As far as we know, they didn't know each other. They just went to the same bar. Guy decided to give a public interview in order to clear his name and clear up any misconceptions about what was going on. And he said that, I don't know that guy, I didn't make up the sketch, I saw what I saw and no one's gonna tell me otherwise. He was also called in to pick out the picture of a potential suspect and he actually picked Scott's picture. But it was only because Scott's eyes were half closed in the picture. This next part, I really want you to pay attention. So the description given of the scruffy man, he was said to have slanted eyes. And Scott had multiple pictures of himself taken to see if he matched this description. Now there was one picture of Scott where he was actually blinking. And there was only one picture of this. And this was the picture that police decided to use to show witnesses. Mind you, he was blinking in this picture. So his eyes were like, half closed, making his eyes look slanted. So of course, when people hear, oh, the scruffy guy had slanted eyes, and they show a picture of somebody's eyes who were half closed from blinking, they're going to pick that person. There were other pictures of Scott with his eyes wide open, and had police used this picture, witnesses probably wouldn't have picked him because his eyes didn't match the description of the scruffy man. So it definitely seemed very odd that police would pick the only picture of Scott where he was blinking. Even though Scott's overall appearance did not match the scruffy man at all, just the fact that his eyes were slanted from blinking was enough for police to formally arrest him. And in June of 1998, they did just that. Scott Watson was arrested for the murders of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope. And all this arrest is really based on is Scott being at the party, his eyes being half closed in a picture, and being obnoxious at said party. That's pretty much it. No witness account, no DNA, nothing. Nobody was able to place him in the water taxi that night with Ben and Olivia, not to mention his boat looked completely different than the one that everybody described them getting off on. Now, before the trial, Scott, as I said, was pretty much already considered guilty, even though there was very, very shaky evidence. But nevertheless, the trial went on. Police said that they noticed that Scott's boat had actually been wiped down pretty thoroughly before they seized it. But it later came out that only less than half of the boat was cleaned. And had Scott committed a double murder, he probably wouldn't have only cleaned less than half of the boat. He probably would have cleaned the entire thing. Police also brought up the scratches that I mentioned earlier that Scott's ex-girlfriend had asked about, where there were scratches on the hatch of his yacht that suggested that maybe Olivia had been trying to escape. But once again, Scott just said that you know, his nieces and nephews did that because they were playing. It wasn't Olivia. 
There was also a tiger blanket that was collected from Scott's boat as evidence and it contained 400 hairs on it. And it was tested three times. The first two times, none of the hairs matched Ben or Olivia's. But the second time it was tested, two hairs found were Olivia's. Now, I don't know where these hairs came from because they weren't found in the first two tests. And this made people wonder, did somebody put them there? Was this planted as evidence? How did they just miss that the first time? Not to mention the hairs weren't even an exact match to Olivia. It was just said that these hairs were 28,000 times more likely to be Olivia than anybody else's. And although these odds are pretty big, they're still not definite. There were also witness accounts from New Year's Eve who had actually seen Scott going back to his boat that night. And that's because he had to climb over their boats to get to his. They all said that Scott was alone. He was by himself. He never had two other people with him. They definitely would have remembered. After the accused returned in a water taxi to his boat, came onto your boat, went over to Bianco, and then returned back to his boat, um, you didn't hear the sound of any other person over that period of time, did you? No. But nevertheless, the police didn't want to hear any of this. And on September 9th, 1999, Scott Watson was found guilty of the murders of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope on very shaky circumstantial evidence. He was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole in 17 years. Watson, you're sentenced to life imprisonment on both counts. Uh, if there is an application for minimum parole that will be dealt with on Friday the 8th of October 1999 at Friday at 9.30 a.m. As of 2023, Scott is still in prison and he's been denied parole four times. So it's really not looking like he's going to get out anytime soon. He could spend the rest of his life in prison because police are just so dead set on the fact that he did it, even though they literally have no evidence to suggest that. His conviction to this day is said to be very controversial because people are really wondering why were the police so dead set on Scott? I mean, what was it about him? To this day, the bodies of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope have never been found. And their families really didn't get any closure about the case. I mean, all they can do is assume that they're gone now because it has been over 20 years. In 2009, Ben's father unfortunately passed away without any real answers to what happened to his son. Ben and Olivia had their whole lives ahead of them and the fact that they were taken so suddenly by somebody that was under the guise of being nice and offering them a place to sleep just to take advantage of them is just so scary to think about for our young people. They did nothing wrong. They just wanted to go out, have fun together, let loose on New Year's Eve, and you never expect to be doing that and not come home. I normally don't give my opinion, sometimes, about what I think because I do try to remain objective. I really do try. But personally, I think the police did not prove that Scott Watson was guilty. Not saying that he didn't do it, but I do not think they proved that at all. They didn't even look at the scruffy guy that literally everybody described. They didn't try to find his boat. They didn't try to find him. They just got tunnel vision. And when you're handling any case at all, you have to look at any and all possibility. You can't just look at one guy that for whatever reason you seem to have it out against because that's not true justice. But my heart does go out to the victims' families. Ben and Olivia were such bright young souls and they didn't deserve to be taken the way they were. With that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching. 
and I hope to see you in the water soon.